Hello and welcome back to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. I am your host, as always, Josh Carr, and we're back for Series 5. Um, I can't believe we're on Series 5 already. As you know, from Series 1 to 4, I always deliver fantastic guests, and today is no different. Um, and today, Who Knew is going down under for the first time ever which I'm very, very excited about. We're going all the way across the world to speak to the one, the only, Josh Snares. How are you, Josh? Hello. Um, g'day. Sorry, if I'm going to be Australian. Um, oh, I should, I don't... Come on, you got to play, you got to play the role. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually said g'day as like an actual thing I'd want to voluntarily Never. say, but um, I'm going to say it today no. um, in honour of the perfect Australian companion, <laughs> Thank Tegan. You. So. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm very, very glad. Um, it's an absolute honour to have you on the show. I'm very, very excited. Um, I, I was going to say, everyone's favourite Hootuber, Josh Snares. <laughs> I mean, uh, one thing that I do want to say is you are probably up there as one of the most requested guests on Who Knew ever. Really? I get oh more people asking me to get you on than I do... Most of the doctors, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, I, people probably don't really bother with the doctors because, um, you know, that'd be really hard. Yeah, I yeah. Um, but yeah, I, people really, 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 really wanted you on Who Knew, and this has been a long wow. time coming. So I've I finally delivered. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's a it's a pleasure having you on. Um, no, I'm, I'm so flattered. We'll probably so start. Thank you. Oh, good. Good. It's, I'm glad that it's it's flattery to come on here, not, a, not too much of a chore. Um, so we're going to start where we always start, which is right at the very start um, for, for Doctor Who fans. Um, because I'm always intrigued, especially when I speak to people from outside of the UK, as to how they got into Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, so, so what was it like for you? What What were your early Who experiences, and and what made you fall in love with the show? I feel like I have a weird journey with the show as well because um, I first started watching Torchwood. So I didn't watch Doctor Who first. I watched Torchwood, and I watched it because my oh, mum yeah. suggested it as well. Because my mum was like, "You really enjoy this," because it was her subtle way of dropping hints, being like, "Come out, we know you're queer." But um, <laughs> and um, I did. I loved Torchwood. I became fully obsessed with it. And I had no idea it was a Doctor Who spinoff for ages. It wasn't until, I think I, I watched all of season one on repeat. And then I think it was during season two where I found out it was actually a spinoff from one of my friends at school who was like, oh, you should watch Doctor Who. And then I watched um, the Cyberman two-parter from season two. And I was like, this show sucks. It is so bad. This is a terrible episode. What? Why do people like this show? And then somehow I just fell down the hole of Doctor Who, and now I'm like a massive fan of it. So it's weird. That is a that's a weird intro. We've had a few <laughs> recently, but and I love the weirder ones because we. I think I feel like on Who Knew we had a good run of people who were like, "Yeah, watch Rose in 2005. It's mm. great." And I I love that because that was that was my way in. But like that last time we had. Tim Atak from from Big Finish, mm. who was target novels whilst living in Brazil as a child, <laughs> and now you, 
starting <laughs> off with with Torchwood, which which is is incredible. Um, so what's because I, I feel like when I speak to to Americans about sort of getting into Doctor Who, it's very much more of an an oddity out there. But mm. it, it's it's fairly big in Australia, right? Yeah, like it was it was on TV. Not a prob- probably not mm. like the, the biggest thing in the world, but I'd yeah. say it's it's probably aside from the UK, where it's probably its most popular. Would, yeah, would you agree? I would I would agree with that to a certain um, like in the past I would say one hundred percent. You know, like during the classic mm-hmm. series, like we're one of the only countries to really buy most of the stuff from the sixties and air it when it was coming out in the UK. Well, we were like a year behind. But we were still buying mm-hmm. everything that came out. So with Doctor Who, like we've had a really good relationship with Australia and UK. Like Australia co-funded the Five Doctors, you know. And then mm-hmm. when it came back, it was a big thing here as well. But it was never like the UK. It's never like yeah. you guys. It's never been that big. And recent years, no one's watching it. It's like culturally dead. I up until the Matt Smith era, it was big. But after Peter Capaldi came in, people just seemed to not watch it and i have a lot of theories as to that but i'm not going to go into that because that's a whole thing but i i do yeah. believe that the uk and australia and doctor who have a big relationship together for sure yeah well i mean i, I think it's fair to say that it's it's culturally dipped everywhere probably mm. post early matt smith especially in the uk i think yeah was when it sort of started and then and then it we got like a little peak again for the 50th and then it dipped yeah. Again, and it's it's sort of stayed at a, at a level. I mean, Doctor Who's always going to be culturally important in in the UK. I don't think. Yeah, everyone sure. is will always talk about it in some in some way. Um, sometimes good, sometimes in a bad way. <laughs> um, but, but again, we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, start, starting with Torchwood is 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 fascinating. So, I mean, what? You mentioned um, obviously being being queer and mm. and having um, like Torchwood be is obviously a, a very queer show and, yes. and always has been. Um, <laughs> do you um, was did you get that 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 connection with Doctor Who as well? Because I feel obviously there's a, there's a lot of queer Doctor Who fans out there. Um, I feel like it resonates with a, a lot of people. Um, from from those kinds of backgrounds and from neurodivergent backgrounds and and yeah. they're sort of a lot of the demographics that work is that is that one of the things that pulled you in with Doctor Who do you think or oh for sure like you know like during high school and that I didn't really have any queer friends so like television was really the only place I could go for that and torture was a mm-hmm. huge one and you know because when I was in high school all those many many years ago. I, the queer representation on television was so different. You know, all you had was Glee mm-hmm. and I didn't feel represented by Kurt. I didn't feel represented by that show whatsoever. But Torchwood felt like such like, like a queer liberation. It felt like over the top horny. It was so stupid and so sex positive. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think maybe the show has aged very well compared to back then, but back then it was mm. revolutionary. And I think you could argue that so the idea of a sci-fi show being that queer is really not really being happened again. It's like insane to see like where the entire cast is playing like bisexual or gay or whatever characters. And um, I think it was really ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I have a real strong connection with Torchwood in that sense. But then Doctor Who as well, like constantly putting like 
gay characters in the show as well was also really important as well to me. So I think it was definitely something that stuck me into Doctor Who for sure. And and then obviously the the reason why why you're here is is because you've got an incredible YouTube channel that a lot of people connect with um that revolves around Doctor Who. Um so where where did the the whole YouTube st- thing start? Obviously you're a fan of Doctor Who, but what made you take that extra step into I want to create content related to Doctor Who? And I want to explore the show in these various different ways. Well, like, I've been doing Doctor Who on YouTube since I was in high school, but most of that is hidden on YouTube because I used to do Doctor Who fan <laughs> films and um, they will never see the light of day. Um, they, oh, why? Because why? I we want them. <laughs> the reason why, I, I, it was a hard decision to make to take them down because... As embarrassing as they are, they're something that I learned a lot from and I don't want people to ruin it for me. I would hate for it to be like a thing where people are paying me out for these awful fan films but and ruin the experience. Because look, they're not good. They're not good. But I had a lot of fun making them and I Mm. definitely wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't learn all of that stuff early on. So they're an important part of my life and I don't want them to be turned into something that's a laughing like a joke you know but um but yeah transitioning to doing like doctor who documentary type stuff it was really really like the missing episodes and i kind of knew that i wanted to do this missing episodes documentary and make this big thing and i'd been working in marketing for a while so i knew how to market it at that point and i knew that i could i knew that there wasn't really anything like that on youtube at the time you know like youtube i like these like documentaries on YouTube has been like a really big thing in other fandoms and just in general. Like I was very much inspired by Nightmare Expo who does like horror documentaries and stuff like that. And they were so stylistic and I was like, oh, I would like to do that. But I was like, no one's doing it for Doctor Who. Whereas, you know, now there's lots of people doing what I'm doing. But when I was doing it, there was no one. It was really just Mm me. And um, I knew that it was something that was missing in the market or whatever. And I wanted to do it my way. Obviously, I've learned a lot since then. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. I I love the the documentary format. And I love the way that, that you utilize it. Because your your videos are so well made. Like I said, <laughs> I've, I've been... I've obviously, in preparation for the pod, I watch your content all the time anyway. Um, but I, I've done a, an, an extra little binge and gone back to some of my old favorites. And just the, the the quality is insane, and the depth, um, like we've, uh, it's sort of my favourite form of of um, like YouTube video, um, especially with regards to Doctor Who. It's sort of the the longer form documentary style, mm. um, like between you and Cleverdick Films. I know Adam mm. Martin does some stuff as well. Um, they're the ones that I really connect to because I love just sticking them on while yeah. I'm doing stuff around the house and it yeah. it can be like a two hour long thing the production value is is insane um <laughs> and it's only increasing with the with the tv by the way that i was obsessed <laughs> with that the new tv is the coolest thing if anyone hasn't seen it um josh has has bought a 1960s tv and yeah and had it sort of renovated so that it works and yeah, it's really you're watching really cool. your your docky who blu-rays on it um <laughs> and i'm 
I, I, I want it. I want it. And <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was my, totally worth it. Oh, it was yeah. so cool. My girlfriend was looking at me watching it the other day. And she's like, no, you are not. No, <laughs> don't. You are not doing this. Because what will happen is you'll buy a 60s TV, yeah. you'll pull all the electrics out, and then it'll just get left somewhere in the house. Yeah. Because you'll never finish it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the, the content is amazing. And um, the missing episode stuff is mm. is what really captures me. Because I think it's an insane story. Yeah. Um, and there's so many insane stories oh. interlinked with it. Um, I, I was watching your, your missing episodes, Omnibus. Um, I think I've heard the name Ian Levine more times than I'd like today um but, but yeah I was watching that and I all I was thinking how like while watching it was there are films you could make there are feature oh, yeah. films you could make about the stories about missing episodes um what what is that what drew you to to missing episodes is just the, the insane stories how, how did you sort of get yourself down that Doctor Who rabbit hole because it seems like one that you haven't really left um, yeah, because it, it is a mad story. But how, what what drew you in f- first and foremost? I th- I remember my first ever realization that there were missing episodes, and it was on the series five Blu-ray set or DVD set, probably DVD at that time. And there was a making of um, Victory of the Daleks, and they mentioned how they were referencing Power of the Daleks, and they mentioned how it was missing, and I was like, oh. And I think during that time was where like my hyperfixation on Doctor Who really kicked in. So mm-hmm. it was when I started going back and looking at it and ever since then it was kind of like going mad over it. And then we had the returns in 2011, which was uh, Unwater Menace and Galaxy 4. There was two episodes from those. And um, that just kind of snowballed from there. And then of course, Web of Fear and Enemy of the World, but that was insane. It was a huge year. And um, I it kind of just started there. And then the stories of the missing episodes, like... I, I think I preference in like the beginning of so many of my videos, like the story behind the missing episodes is sometimes better than the actual stories themselves. Oh, 100%. You know, like, 100%. <laughs> it's just insane. Like there's like a, there's a, there's a trailer at the moment for like a Tetris movie. And I'm like, this is kind of like what you could do with Doctor Who. Cause it's just insane. It, it like, is. It's insane I stuff. saw that trailer the other day and I was like, <laughs> if, if someone did this, but it's like Taron Egerton playing, it's not something the world needs i don't think um but but yeah i mean there are some mental stories and also Mm. i feel like there's because all of the stories are so differing from person to person like there's so many unreliable narrators involved in the missing episodes i feel like if if you wanted to write a story you could just write whatever you wanted you could write oh, yeah. car chases and explosions and you could just write it off as, oh yeah, well, like John Dudley from Hull said that this is what happened. This is what he saw when he went to the BBC archives. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I'm I fascinated by it. I think it's one of the bits of Doctor Who that when you mention it to people who aren't Doctor Who fans as well, it sort of piques their interest. Like I, yeah. I've had friends at work where I... I mentioned like, oh, they're doing an, an animation of a missing episode, and they're like, what? The, why are there episodes <laughs> missing? What, where is your show gone? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I, I say there's a great 
series on YouTube by a YouTuber called Josh Snares that will explain everything you need. <laughs> um, so do you, do you think there's more out there? That's my question. Do you think there's more to be found or do you think if there were, if there were, that we'd have found them by now? Do you think we've found I, a lot? I know there are missing episodes out there. That is without a fact. There is, there's no doubt there are missing episodes out there. But the problem is they're in private collections. Mm. And I, I was talking about this recently with a friend because we were trying to, like, they, they just couldn't understand why wouldn't they give it back. And the problem is, as a Doctor Who fan, we care about the episodes themselves, what's on them. It's so important to us that we want to watch the Diet's Master Plan. Whereas, let's say, if I'm a private collector and I had the only copy of the 10th Planet Episode 4, it doesn't matter what's on it. It's the fact that I have this and that it's culturally important and the fact that no one else has it. The actual tin it's in, the actual physical film reel is more valuable to them than what's actually on it. So you got two very conflicting ideologies and there's no amount of money that'll convince this person to hand it over. This is very much something that they want something that's just as important as this in return. And even then they might have a... And, you know, because, like, the thing is, like, the people who own these probably aren't Doctor Who fans. And if they were, there's a good chance maybe they watched a few episodes when they were kids. And they were like, this is important yeah. to me because it reminds me of my childhood. And that's it. They, they don't care about giving it back to Doctor Who fans. It's not, it's not some giving back to the community thing that doesn't interest them because it, it doesn't have that sense of value to them. So, like, the relationship between a private collector and a Doctor Who fan is something that shouldn't really be a thing because it's so foreign it's completely different so and the sad thing is there's two ways this to get back to us either one they die and somehow it's handed to someone who is happy to either give it back or they add it to their private collection then we wait for them to die so that that's just an endless loop of it handing to someone else, to someone else, to someone else, and it still never gets back to us. As the film reel deteriorates, and every year it's getting worse and worse, and we don't know what conditions yeah. they're being held in. Or the other option is they die, and their family members have no idea the worth of it, and they have two options. Either one, they sell it to some random person who either knows what it's worth, or is just happens to be in the right place and gives it back, and we're like, yippee! Or they throw it in the bin. Yeah. The likelihood of us getting it back every single time is so slim. And the sad thing is we have to have faith in people like Paul Venezes, who, you know, that these are people who are investigating this. These are people who know the names. And we have to hope that they're doing everything they can to get stuff back. And who knows if they're training other people to do the same or maybe when they retire or they give up, the the whole thing goes dead who knows mm -hmm. so i think it's a very tricky and awful situation where most of the time we don't end up happy but we can hope and we can dream yeah. and hopefully we get something back yeah i mean what based on obviously on your research because I, I i think you're you're probably with the amount of research you've done, you're you're probably a bit of an authority on on the subject. <laughs> what what which episodes do you think are what's top likelihood of mm. 
this is most likely out there somewhere and could exist. And what is, if this exists somewhere, then it is an absolute miracle of humanity. Yeah. What do you think is the upper end of the scale? What, what are we most likely to see and least likely to see in the future, do you think? I'm going to do the fun answer first and then I'll give the sad answer later. The fun answer is the fact that we don't have anything of Marco Polo is baffling. They made so many copies of this. It's probably one of the most copied episodes of Doctor Who of all time. It went mm-hmm. it went everywhere, but somehow it's no one's archive. No one's got it, which is so weird. Yeah. Like, you know, like this is sold to like Canada, Australia. I think it was even sent to Germany as like, as like test prints, but then they were like, we don't want to screen it here. You know, like, that's one of the stories. I'm like, how do we have nothing? It's so weird. But maybe because it's just so old. It's just so early on in Doctor Who's career. Yeah. Or, and then the the stuff that's harder to get is the later Hartnell, uh, because by that point they stopped selling it because they would sell Doctor Who in batches. So mm-hmm. they would sell like, I'm going to basically say like season one, season two, season three, even though it wasn't exactly that. I'm going to go with that for simplicity. <laughs> but yeah. so season one, let's say season one was sold a lot. They would sell that batch mm-hmm. to lots of people. Season two, a little bit less. Season three, not many. But then you've got stuff like, I, I think when we come, like stuff I think we've got no chance is The Feast of Stephen. And I say that because they never made a copy of it, as far as we know, because they that's only made sad. a copy. Yeah. That's when they the sold. the swan, I think. I think that's the <laughs> one where everyone just wants to see him say, have Merry Christmas to all of yeah. you at home. Everyone wants to see that. <laughs> Because when the Dalek's Master Plan was sold over internationally, it was only ever sold to Australia. And we didn't, they didn't sell Feast of Stephen because it wouldn't have lined up with the dates. So, right. and, but Australia didn't screen the Dalek's Master Plan, but we did buy it. So we did have a copy. Mm. But the fact that there was only ever one copy of the Dalek's Master Plan ever made, and we have three surviving episodes from it, like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And then Marco Polo, we have like seven or eight copies and not one episode survives. So when we're going for like likelihood, it's like you can't even guess it really. But like there are some episodes that I think personally are probably out there. I think Tenth Planet Four is out there. I think mm-hmm. Web of Fear Three is out there. I have a feeling that Fury from the Deep Episode Six is out there because we had like a a film can, but I think it's probably junked. Because that's the thing, like, these film reels would get switched between film cans and then they would end up in places they're not supposed to be. So they could just be sitting in an archive somewhere mislabeled. Yeah. Or they could be jumped. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, 10th t- Planet for it, if, if you have a private collector out there that's done a bit of research, that would be one that you think would be insanely valuable. Because with yeah. it being the the first regeneration and stuff like that, it's it that's probably one of the more valuable in terms of like marketability in the future. If you ever did want to sell it, like you could, you could yeah. make a, a small fortune on that, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a shame, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's great that we get the animations and and reconstructions and reconstructions from fans and stuff like that is amazing and obviously technology is catching up so that even though animation is an insanely long and arduous process yeah. um for for a fan to sit through um obviously never mind people who get paid for it as well um yeah. but it's good that technology is sort of getting to a point where the technology is getting more readily available for people to be able to 
sort of have a crack at it in their own time and and sort of yeah. fill in the gaps because Doctor Who fans will always do that. We'll always do anything we can to fill fill the gaps. Speaking of animation, um, because this is a neat a neat segue, neat segue. <laughs> um, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was was your recent dives into the world of animation, mm. which are nothing short of incredible. Oh, thank you. You don't mind saying because <laughs> uh, I I recently purchased uh, a while back I purchased out of time one because mm. um, it was on sale uh, by Big Finish over Christmas so yeah. I I bought it then and I thought I'm going to save it so I can sit and I'll watch it with, with Josh's animation yeah. <laughs> um, and I did it I did it this week and it's so good so oh, so you. good <laughs> and it, the, the animation um I mean, aside from me being really slow trying to time them um, mm. so that the mouths match up, um, yeah. because obviously you've got to play it on your own device yeah. and watch it on YouTube. Um, that was it was it was honestly so fun to watch um, because you captured, I mean, you, you captured two of the most effervescent doctors in <laughs> in four and ten to perfection in animation. Um, what was that like to make? Um, I imagine long and arduous, as as I said before. <laughs> but um, yeah, what what was it like for you? What were your experiences animating that? Yeah, like um, the Out of Time project was kind of like I still don't even remember where it started. I don't remember how I started going into it because it was so long ago. Because I it took me like two years to really do it. But I was like on and off. I wasn't working constantly for two years. But um, yeah. it was such a big project because um, I'd done like reconstructions before, like telesnap type style stuff, but I hadn't done something that was like fully 2D animation. But I knew the idea came around because um, Adobe released a, a project, a, pro a program called Character Animator. And it was really, basically it like uses like webcams to like track your face. And so you could animate it in that sense. And then you can all drag stuff and all that type of stuff. So I liked the fact how user-friendly it was. And yeah, it was kind of like a big project. Um, so Lucy Crew did all the character designs. I commissioned her to do that. And I just loved her designs. I thought they were really cool. And um, yeah. yeah, it was just this big, big, huge project. Just storyboarding mm -hmm. the whole thing and then just putting it together. But yeah, I even to summarize it really fast, I can't even because it was just a huge thing. The the character designs are so good because um, I I love when Doctor Who animations um, don't sort of go for like exact copies and and yeah. like complete likenesses because I feel like then you're sort of straying too far into uncanny valley. Um, so yeah. I like seeing different like art styles and different impressions of of things in in animations when it comes to Doctor Who, um, and they're really really fun. Can I just say as well, when I said obviously I said that ten and four are sort of the the two two very energetic Doctors, but also they have the most energetic hair of any <laughs> Doctors surely, and yeah. the. I there was there was this one scene in particular where I was watching it and I all my eyes were just on the hair of both of them, just yeah. bouncing 
Ben I was Daglin. like, you've got the you've got the movement of the of the fourth Doctor's hair spot on, <laughs> and I have no idea how you did it. It was like actually in the program, it was like a dangle option. I was like, yeah, who cares? I'm just gonna do it. Like my initial test, yeah, like the tenth Doctor's like you've got was like it. falling off completely, and I was like, maybe I'll fix that a little bit. But um, yeah, I thought it'd be fun. Just add a bit of extra yeah. life to it. <laughs> do you think that's you? spent for animations now is that is that something that that you wouldn't want to do again or is that if you got other things lined up that you'd want to do in, in animation form well originally i was going to do the brink of death which was the sixth doctor's regeneration story just the final episode i wasn't going to do I the think other i three. remember you tweeting a couple of i think i remember you tweeting a couple of things and a couple of screenshots here and there a while ago about the with the sixth doctor story um, yeah. So you you were just going to do the final part of Brink of Death. Yeah, I was going to do that, and um, I commissioned Lucy to do the character designs, but uh, she was just too busy. It's funny, like mm. uh, it was literally like a month ago she got back to me. It was like I think like ten months later, and I was like, "Look, <laughs> let's just cancel it. I think it's done because uh, um, I've got other projects on now, and she's got other stuff on. Yeah. So I I just um, paid her for what she'd already done, and just said that's enough. Um, but mm. yeah, it was just, yeah, it just wasn't happening this time. I felt like yeah. it was like, I, I think if like I had the character stuff back then, I probably would have done it, but it mm. just, I think it's just cause it took so long. I just kind of lost momentum. Um, and I've put money into different projects this year. So this one's on the back burner. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to come mm. back to it. I think I'm kind of like, I'm happy with what I've done. Not, not yeah. ever to say never, like I might come back to do an animation project in the future, yeah. but it's not something that's on my list at the moment. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it, it's not, it's not like you're, you, you're the, the only person who'd be doing them. Cause I know you did a, vi- a video recently, um, mm. which I, I had to rewatch cause the first time I watched it, I was very drunk and I was like, this is an incredible <laughs> video. I was so I was so drunk. I got in from a night out and was like, "Just there's posted a new video. I've got to watch it now." Um, so not my best idea. But then I watched it sober and it was still incredible. So wonderful. Um, but yeah, I know you did a video about um, sort of uh, some upcoming and some current fan animation projects. And there's lots out there. There's a lot of yeah. great animation animators and and fan animations out there. Um, to, to explore so um like i said I, I i hope that other people continue to 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 fill the gaps and yeah um and and create some fun stuff from big finish that that was an interesting choice i think from from you because obviously if if someone said to me josh snares is making an animated doctor episode i'd go okay which one of the missing episodes is it but <laughs> you you decided to go down a different route what what made you pick out of time was it did well, something at jump that out time, to you and thought, I need to see this in animation? There was a few reasons why, actually, now, now you've jogged my memory. I think the reason why I chose a big finish was because at that time, when I was first starting, there was the potential that the BBC were going to animate every single missing episode of Doctor Who. So in my head, yeah. I was like, well, what would they never animate so I don't waste my time? And I was like, oh, they're never going to okay. animate out of time. I know they're not going to animate yeah. a big finish audio. And I and, and that's probably a never say never type of thing, maybe down the track, but Big Finish don't have the license to do videos. They don't have the license to do animations. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So it's the same reason why they don't release their scripts because they can't be falling under publishing. 
which is mm-hmm. sad because I I've talked about this a lot because I think it's pretty inaccessible that you can't listen like so to people who are like deaf they can't experience big finish audios legally because there's yeah. no scripts that they can get which is sad and I, I hope that they will be able to renegotiate that under some type of different contract because I don't think it would count as publishing if it's a transcript in the sense that it should be for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Yeah, it's just legal stuff. Because um, when I was doing Out of Time, I did think about, oh, maybe should I reach out to Big Finish and just say, hey, do you want it as a free digital download if people have bought the release? But I thought there's two ways. Either they say, don't ever post this or we'll sue you. Or like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say no. So I, I never offered it. But um, I have got... Nick Briggs did... Um, retweet it on Twitter and he directed it. So I thought that was very That's kind. nice. And I recently got told that Matt Fitton, who wrote it, said he watched it and liked it too, which is very, very flattering. So I think I've got the blessing at the moment. Oh, that, that's and I was really in Doctor nice. Who magazine as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so nice. I'm okay. I'm not, that's very I'm not good. getting sued. Th- yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's very, very good. Because I, I think it's nice that, that it, it gets that sort of reaction. Because, you know, it's... It, if anything, it's encouraging people to to buy out of time. Um, yeah, the way you released it was really it was it was done with the utmost respect to to Big Finish. You know, you weren't trying yeah. to basically pirate it, which which is great. Yeah. Um, if I released the audio, then yes, I would have definitely. Have yeah, you would have got sued. Yeah, but... Nick Nick Briggs would have yeah. flown to Australia Briggs, and would yeah, have been knocking on your door. this is a recurring theme on the podcast i hope this is probably the reason why nick briggs will never come on who knew because every time every time we mention something happening with big finish i i make out that he's got some kind of men in black organization where he's sending people to to your house in the middle of the night um i like that idea sorry nick i like it i like it too um yeah apologies nick apologies um Please don't send the men round. Um, so, so, um, before we go to a break, you mentioned in there uh, that there's uh, a couple of uh, other projects that you're working on at the moment. Mm. And here is Josh attempting to tease information out of <laughs> another Josh. Um, is there anything that you're working on that you can tell us about? Uh, anything that you can tease, anything that you can you can drop little hints about? Yeah, um, as this podcast is coming out, um, my first trailer for The Might of the Daleks should be coming out, which I'm very excited yes. about. It's my big project this year. It's probably one of my most ambitious I projects. Set you up. I set you up for that. I've you s- did, I've you did. It. Well I've seen the trailer. It's really good. It's really Thank you. good. You have no choice but to ally with the Daleks. I mean, everyone I'm... who's listening but at this point <laughs> will have seen it. Um, no, yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm excited. Very, 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 very excited for it. Yeah, it's a it's a co-production between me and my mate Aaron Vanderclay, who's this incredible filmmaker in Perth. So, like, I, I flew over the way to Perth. It's this massive project, and um, <laughs> it, it's like really just this great slice of 1960s Doctor Who goodness. It's got everything. It's got death. It's got mm-hmm. destruction. It's got the Daleks. It's 
really something special. I felt like I was traveling back in time to the 1960s. I felt like I was in Lime Grove Studios directing the Daleks. It was really like a dream come true. And I think people are really going to lose their minds over this. It feels so authentic. It feels really accurate to the era, but it's got a bit of a Twilight Zone feel. It's got a bit of everything. So I think if you're a fan of 60s Dalek stories, you're going to love this. I am insanely excited for this. <laughs> um, the trailer is it sort of set it up to me to be one of the most exciting Doctor <laughs> Who projects out there at the minute. So I cannot wait to see um, more of Might of the Daleks. Uh, I will drop a link down below in the description to the trailer. Um, but I imagine as you're seeing this, you've probably all watched it already. So, because I'll, I'll probably have been screaming about it on Twitter. So I'm <laughs> very, very excited for that. And I can't wait um, to see that and, and whatever else you do in the future. Um, so we're going to go to a little break. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a little bitty break. And when we come back, uh, we've got some features to attend to. Uh, namely, first of all, the DVD collection. So go put the kettle on, uh, go feed your cat, whatever jobs you've got to do, and, and we'll see you back here in a minute. So have a good break. Hello and welcome back. So who knew a Doctor Who podcast? I am still your host, Josh Carr, and I'm still here with Josh Snares. Um, allegedly. The Josh things, allegedly, yeah. Um, the Josh thing's getting confusing. I, I can't <laughs> remember which Josh I am most of the time anyway. Um, I've never had another Josh on, so it's... it's really? You know, Josh supremacy. Never, no. <laughs> There's no. so many Joshes. I, I mean, we are the only Joshes in, in the Doctor Who community. That are we? Matter. That's fair. I'll take that. No matter. Yeah. 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 Sorry to every other Josh. Um. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I, I mean, would like to apologise to the Josh uh, yeah. community. <laughs> so we've got some features. Um, I love the features, uh, and it's been a while. So let's head on over to the one, the only. You can see it behind me. You can see it. It's that was the wrong hand. I always get confused. This one, uh, the DVD collection. By the power of Grayskull, the Unicorn and the Wasp, or Love and Monsters. Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. So, for any new listeners, the DVD collection is a collection of quintessential Doctor Who stories that are submitted by my wonderful guests uh, as something that means a little bit to them, maybe their favourite episode, maybe their first episode, maybe just an episode that they love talking about. Um, there's been some good, there's been some bad, but that's the beauty of the Corridor of Fame, not the Corridor of Fame, the DVD collection. <laughs> get my features in a twist. Um, that's the beauty of the DVD collection, is any story can be worthy. So, Josh, it is time Hello. to find out what you would like to submit to the DVD collection. Hit me with it. I'm choosing the greatest episode of Doctor Who of all time, 
the haunts of Nymon. The facts, straight facts. Yeah, it's no one can argue perfection. with it. No, it's just good Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like the haunts of Nymon. I I would never be able to describe why I love it so much. I think it's just because it's everything. It's just camp. Romana's the lead. Tom Baker's off in the TARDIS, just pissing about. <laughs> and uh, Soul Need is the most dramatic and over the top um, performance of all time. I, but like, I, yeah, I love Soul Need. I thought so when much. we, when you, I, I did know that you were going to pick the Horns of Nyman in, in advance. I'll use that as a disclaimer. And <laughs> I've, I've set aside a good forty-five minutes for Soul Need chat. So we, we, <laughs> yes. can, we can run away to your heart's content. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a mad episode. It's a mad yeah. story, isn't it? Um, oh, for sure. I mean, what 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 are your your defining moments from from the horns of Nymon? Do you think? I think there's so much good stuff in there. It's hard to pinpoint one moment, but everyone's going to go back to that final confrontation between Romana and Soldine. But, like, I think what I love about it is that Lala Ward is playing the Doctor in this one. So she's getting to do the whole thing herself, even mm-hmm. the final confrontation. Like, Tom Baker doesn't even show up. Like, why, why is he even here? Who cares? We just want Romana. It's brilliant. <laughs> and, like, that entire scene, I pretty much know it off by heart. It's ingrained in my mind. But, like, the performance of it, they're so over the top. But, like, if you read the script, how else do you perform it? How do you say stuff like, my dreams of conquest? Um, you've brought this calamity beyond, <laughs> um, before me. And you meddle some hussy? Like, how are you supposed to say you meddle some hussy in the most, like, uh, like subtle and filmic approach? You can't you play that can't. straight, can you? No, you, you can't. cannot play you it straight. Can't. You can't play you meddle some hussy. Um, <laughs> what a line. What a line. So good. Um, so good. Yeah, no, that is a good point. I, I mean, I've... I've not watched it for a while. I've probably not watched it since lockdown, um, mm. and that 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 was a definitely a fever dream. Um, but I mean, it, it's interesting. It sort of does the whole like Clara Who thing that we got in series A, yeah, like uh, like forty years earlier, doesn't it? Because Romana really yeah. does take the lead in this one. Um, oh, for sure. Which is fun. I mean, it's it's sort of like Romana's version of. Sarah Jane Adventures, where she gets to yeah. just run off and be the hero for a bit. Um, she even has her own sonic screwdriver. Yeah. Like, she's the doctor in that one. It's brilliant. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I love it. Um, and the Nymon. What can you say about the Nymon? Oh, what a design. What can't you say? How many I have guess. you seen today? How many Nymon? Uh, I think I've seen, seen three. I've seen one. So you've beaten... Well, he said he was the only one. The last survivor of the race. <laughs> Yeah, and then they, but they, I'm sure they pop up in a big finish audio. Um, yeah, they do. They do. They do. I'm sure it's. An I think it's like a Paul again. Yeah, yeah, it's like a two-parter. Hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can't remember which one at the minute. I think it's. I, I haven't listened a, to it. Tiny one. Um, but I mean, what a pick for the first one of the series. Mm. You've, yeah. you've come in with a barnstormer. With, We're starting high. We have started. I mean, no one can beat this. It's it's the, horn, <laughs> the horns of Nymon. Um I mean it's it's one of those stories that there are some that get submitted to the DVD collection where where I think 
Oh, I can't. I can't get five minutes of conversation about this episode because there is nothing to yeah. talk about. I don't think anyone will ever run out of things to say about the Phantom oh, no. Paimon. It's one of those stories. Um, like we so, haven't even mentioned the ripping pants. No. Do you remember that bit where there's like <laughs> I don't remember. He's like this one of the guards. Bit. What happens? And then the Naimon like attacks him and he falls over and his pants rip open. It's so embarrassing. It's like just I, I got to, every I level. I need to rewatch this. I you need to see it. It's iconic. Like it just makes his death even more horrible and embarrassing. It's just so <laughs> bad. It's so good. Do you think that's probably the most humiliating death in all of Doctor Who? Oh, is for sure. It's up there. It's, it's up as there. you die at the hands <laughs> of the Naimon of all things. Your pants oh. rip. <laughs> so wow. bad. I've seen it so many times and it never never fails to make me laugh. I've only ever watched it the once. This is the thing. I did did one classic Who rewatch and now Mm. this is my first time where I'm sort of jumping back into classic and I'm I'm now doing a full rewatch again. I'm starting from the beginning. Um, So I'm sure at some point in like eight months I'll hit the horns of Naimon (laughs) and I will be on the lookout for ripped oh, yeah. pants. It's um, either episode two or three. <laughs> two or three. <laughs> I, I will remember. I'm going to write it. So. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. Two or three ripped pants. Yeah. Eyes yeah. peeled. Um, <laughs> but thank you, thank you for that. I'm so happy that this what's put the horns on it. Um, great pick. Wonderful pick. Um, and it's there forever. Um, yeah. Thank God. You meddlesome hussies. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So uh, that, that was the, the DVD collection. Uh, join us again next week for more fun and frolics there. We are now going to go over to a burning hell pit owned by um, someone who is, I, I think, probably humanity's answer to Soul Deed at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's. I think that's insulting to Soul Deed. I misunderstood in comparison. It is. It is. is. Um, We're going to go over and see what the folks have to say on bloody Twitter. For God's sake! Bloody Twitter! Boo. Boo. Um, So, uh, thank you listeners for sending in all of your wonderful questions. We'll get through as many as we can. Um, we've had some fun ones. We've had some good ones in. Um, first one is from dear friend of the show, Jack, uh, from an awful lot of running podcast at an underscore awful underscore Jack on Twitter. Jack has said a wonderful guest with an amazing portfolio of work. We all rightly adore, um, will this multi Josh episode descend into the next (laughs) multi Josh fight? Um, no, as, as you can see, we've united against all other Joshes. We've, We've yeah. betrayed our kind, um, yeah. and uh, we we formed a Josh alliance. Um, <laughs> uh, question for us both. This is exciting. I don't usually Ooh. get questions. It's it's usually just you lot. Um, question for you both. <laughs> what missing episode would you plan a heist around to steal from a selfish collector, and who Ooh. joins you, Ocean's Eleven style team? So. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna throw this over to you first. Um, okay. Assemble your your team, and then give me your episode and 
sort of how you're going to go about this? I would want to save pretty much any missing episode. Um, to risk my life, I'd probably skip a few. Like, I'm not going to risk my life for the Crusade. No, no. offence. The people who no. love the Crusade, people love the Crusade, but it's not for me. I'm halfway so, through but, it at the moment, and yeah. I'm struggling. I'm, I don't know. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I have no idea on the, of the fan consensus on the Crusade, but people people really love it. Like, well, I I'm, just watched the web I'm planet. I'm just like, this is... Eh? <laughs> I just watched The Web Planet and then, which was a real struggle for me. I'm not a fan of that story. It's my third time watching it now. And then I watched the first episode of The Crusade. I'm like, you know what? This is great because in comparison, I I think that's probably why. I think it's because people are watching it straight after The Web Planet. Yeah. And it's that, that whiplash. Yeah. That I think you could watch anything after The Web Planet and it would look good. (laughs) Um, I, I I think the dialogue is really good in the, the Crusade. <laughs> uh, but, like, I'm not a huge... Like, I'm not, like, clamouring to get an episode back with blackface in it. You know, like, it's not, like, on my top list. Like, oh, I really want to see this. Yeah, but, no, like, the dialogue... I think the script is not. really good. I think it's well written. Um, it's just a bit of a miss on that part. But, um, but yeah, yeah, if I was to... My, my team... Who's really tough? I don't know who's tough. Who's really sneaky? Hmm. I have no idea who who I would get to come along with me. I don't know because Doctor Who fans like me are notoriously clumsy, um, unfit, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know anyone who could possibly do it? Because I'm very unfit. I can barely walk up um, the stairs. Um. No, we're all we're all not. I mean. I think if we all had better physical abilities, we'd probably be doing something else with our time, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not doing it. I would sort of no. be like man in the chair. I'll send Ooh. other people out to do it, but I'm not. I'm. I'll, I'll do the. I'll do the intel, and I'll just maybe get a crack ma- team of mm. of people. Yeah, maybe I, we'll get I'd some non-Doctor Who fans. You're, you're, you and me can be You are research. probably the person with the most knowledge. I, I'll, be your, knowledge I'll be the research, research team. My research would be ringing you. Yeah, that's that That would be... My, I'd be the man in the chair, and they'd go, Josh, we need all the intel. And then I'd ring you and go, Josh, I need all your intel. Um, so that, that <laughs> we're going to need code names. Uh, but yeah, assembling... <laughs> we, yeah, we definitely... Snares and car. Um, we... we We've definitely hit a bit of a brick wall on a on a team here. If I was going to pick one to go and hunt for, Daleks' master plan is probably mm. probably the one that I'd I'd, I'd go heisting for. Yeah, um, that's top of the top. But yeah, I mean, sorry if we've let you down there, Jack. Um, yeah, in sorry, terms of, yeah, sorry. Um, but I mean, if if anyone has any ideas for crack teams that they would want. To go hunting for missing episodes, then, uh, th- then please leave a comment below, and I would love to hear them. Um, and I-, I hope I hope we're involved. I hope you get the Joshes involved. Yes, um, next question is from Philip Hawkins. Um, oh yeah, obviously a wonderful, wonderful YouTuber um, at Culture Filter uh, with a PH on Twitter. Um, Phil has said. Pitch us a brand new Australian companion. 
what era are they from what would their personality be and what would be their story arc i'm leaving this one to you okay fully as um, i would say the australian correspondent at the moment i would say they're from this era they look exactly like me their name is josh (laughs) and it's played by me um, and then I get to hang out with Shirigawa all the time, and that would be a dream come true. Um, that would be wonderful. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, I love Tegan, and I'm happy with my yeah. singular Australian companion, but I don't feel the need to be represented as an Australian, because I, I don't <laughs> feel like I have that... I don't, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a nationalist, I don't have some tie to my country. <laughs> you know, I... I, I think, yeah. if anything, you know, like... I, I think maybe like an indigenous Australian like companion would be really interesting because like there's nothing like that in there's nothing like that in Doctor Who. The only time it's ever really happened was a an attempt. I think it was a good-hearted attempt in um uh Fort Doomsday, and they had mm-hmm. indigenous Australians in it. But I think they had good intentions, but like, they hired Indian actors instead, which is no. And then they, and then Tegan speaks <laughs> Aboriginal, but you can't speak Aboriginal. as like hundreds of languages, but like, I think they were trying, but they just missed. So yeah. I, I would like... Gold and, star for effort, but yeah, they tried, execution but they, was not there. They missed. No. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think that's something in general, I think needs to be worked on. I think I'm like, I feel like Australia has a really it's really far behind in indigenous Australian like representation on screen. So if if they were going to do mm-hmm. it, I would love something like that. And with a bit more with someone on the team making sure they're doing the right thing this time yeah. and not just guessing. Yes, um, definitely. But yeah. So it's it, it, the options are Indigenous Australian, you or, me, or no one. A white person. That's it. Or you. So, <laughs> <laughs> They, they got two options. You know, That's it. Uh... They, they are the only <laughs> options. Um, they are spoilt for choice there. Um, <laughs> we have another question. We have a question from Dayton Felt. Um, great name. Uh, what do you think about the idea of recreating old serials that are missing, like what the students did for Mission to the Unknown? How, what are your thoughts on shot-for-shot recreations uh, of missing episodes? I think Mission of the Unknown was incredible. And I think it was such a great production, not only because of the incredibly talented team behind it, like Andrew Ireland did an amazing job and sort of the entire cast and crew, it's incredible. But I think the reason why Mission of the Unknown works so well is because the Doctor's not in it. That's purely the thing. I I think as soon as you start recasting the Doctor, it'll feel like a fan film. Which is very, very specifically why in Might of the Dogs, the Doctor doesn't turn up. Because as soon as the Doctor turns up, it becomes silly and it can become amateurish. So I think if, as much as I enjoy David Bradley's performance as the Doctor as much as I can, he's nothing like William Hartnell. He's not William Hartnell. And there's no one out there who will be able to even scratch his performance who can bring the depth, who can bring that, the anger and the love and the comedic timing. I think it's gotten to the point now where it feels almost disrespectful 
where it feels like they're posting David Bradley instead of William Hartnell. And this show wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here talking about it if it wasn't for William Hartnell. William Hartnell is such yeah. an important part of the show. And I don't think just recasting him is something that can be easily done. And I would be, I wouldn't be very happy if they decided to remount it instead of doing an animation. Because to me, those actors are just as important as their characters. And I, it would feel like a different show to me. I would enjoy it for what it is. I'd be like, this is great, but it's not the same. I think an animation is more respectful and I think it honors the original more. I think finding that line is really, really difficult. And I think we're getting closer and closer in the media landscape of removing the actor from the character. And it's concerning because we're getting stuff like these deep fakes and that, which sound fun in the moment, but where's the line? You know, these people have died and we're bringing yeah, them back to dance as a corporate product. It, it feels disrespectful, doesn't it? It's Yeah. Um, I like to think that if they are ever going to try and go along those lines, if they are going to do it, you'd rather see a David Bradley or someone else like trying to honour the actor by doing yeah. a, a similar performance, whether they nail it or not, yeah. rather than a computer-generated version like we've seen in sort of Star Wars and, and Marvel. How do you feel, because I feel like there's a middle ground here, um, which is Big Finish and how Big mm. Finish tackle recastings. Because obviously it's a different landscape because you're not recreating someone's physical appearance yeah. and you're not casting an actor who has to look like that person um, and they're not playing them on screen. It's a vocal performance, but... I mean, my opinion is that I, I I like what a lot of Big Finish have done because I feel like it. they've always prioritised the character. They're using images of the original actors, not yeah. the old, not the new actors to promote it. I think they've gone about it in a very respectful way. And I think they're sort of the benchmark for if you are going to do this kind of thing, how to do it in the most respectful way possible. What what do you think? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the way that Big Finish tackle it? I'm in two minds with it. I, 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 I admire the fact that they try and go for family members first and they'll reach mm-hmm. out and be like, hey, do you want to play your mother's role and stuff like that? And I think that's really nice and it feels honouring and it feels like they're respecting mm-hmm. the actor as well as the character yeah. in the moment. So I think they're great. I, I think... They have a lot of actors who, I because th- the problem is when it's audio. Because as a director, you're like you're trying to cast someone who sounds like them but can also give a performance. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who can do impersonations but they can't act. So you know, like they have to find that middle ground. And sometimes I feel like they try and find a middle ground. They just sound nothing like them. They're doing a good mm-hmm. performance, but they sound nothing like them. And then you got some people who sound exactly like them and they're incredible. Like um. Who does, who does the Brigadier? What's his name? What's his name? Oh, God. John Coleshaw. John Coleshaw, yeah. Incredible actor, incredible yeah. performance. He sounds exactly like them. And he's also a really good actor as well. So it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. But there are some of them which I'm a bit like, I don't think that sounds like them at all. And that's yeah. really hard when it's just audio because you're like, I don't know who's talking. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah, name so, names. I mean, 
I, th- I think it's harsh when, because I feel like a lot of the judgment towards some of the, the people when when there are like new people who pop up playing yeah. these characters. Um, just like a recent example that comes to mind is Stephen Noonan, who um, oh, yeah. is the first Doctor. Um, I feel like a lot of the if because I I did see some some people say this doesn't really sound that much like the first Doctor. Um, which is fair, you know, it's objective and uh, however you, you feel about it. Um, but I feel like a lot of the criticism came from on the back of the trailer, which is fine. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that Big Finish have put out to promote and you're welcome to comment on it. That's fine. But what I found when I listened to it was because Big Finish are so good at capturing the vibe of an era, then... The voice sort of morphs in my yeah. own head more into a William Hartnell, just because I feel like I'm listening or I feel like I'm watching a '60s episode, because yeah. they nail everything else about it—the tone and the other performances—all sound like I could imagine an actor in the 1960s getting cast and playing this role on TV. Yeah, and the dialogue sounds like. A 60s script. Next question is from Reese Dell at Reese Dell with a five and a three. You decide where they go. Um, <laughs> being a big First Doctor fan, which non First Doctor story do you think would be perfect to put Hartnell and Co. in? So it's sort oh. of left it for you to decide on a TARDIS team there. Um, but what what TARDIS team of Hartnell's do you think would fit into another non-Hartnell story quite well? As in like a Doctor and Companion team up? Yeah, yeah. And I would like love if you see... can take the Doctor and Companion and replace him with Hartnell. I would love the first Doctor and Donna. I think that'd be just ridiculous. Yeah. Or if you chuck the first Doctor with replacing Peter Davison... And, like, having the first Doctor interact with Tegan and Nissa and Adric. Because I feel like their dynamic is very similar where it's all, like, we're fighting because we don't want to be here. Very similar to, like, Ian and Barbara. So I think those would work really well. It would feel natural. But I can't... I don't know about a particular story where I feel like Bill would shine. Um, But, yeah, I like the idea of those team-ups. So I half answered your question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think, I think some of the uh, the early Chibnall era, because I, mm. I think it, it it sort of tried to go back to that that Hartnell vibe, um, a little bit. I think there's a couple of stories in there that could work. I could see Hartnell in a. What was episode two of set of season eleven? What was that? Because that was basically Ghost the case of Marinus. Ghost Monument, I can see Bill on that one. It that's was just, basically was, yeah. Story. It was the Keys of Marinus yeah. Yeah. press. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I could see the First Doctor in a Saranga conundrum. Well, I don't <laughs> know if I could see the First Doctor in the Pating, though. That's the probably the no only thing. But, I mean, I'd, I'd pay to see it. I would pay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, in terms of team-ups, one that's... Because I, I know that, obviously, when we're recording this, last week, Big Finish announced... Um, a lot of guest stars for their their 60th anniversary audio, um, and the prospect of 
the first Doctor and Jackie Tyler meeting. I knew you were going to say that. Oh my is... god, my mind was going there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the idea that that could happen oh. has filled me with so much excitement that yeah. I just think because I, I I tweeted out I think Jackie Tyler <laughs> worked like the idea of Jackie Tyler meeting anyone and oh, any Doctor. Yeah. In the whole of the Doctor Who universe, it's hilarious. Jackie and the Paternoster Gang, that would be hilarious. It would be chaotic, fun, and we might we might get we might get nine and ten and Jackie all in a room together. That's what, oh my that's God. what I need. I need all of this stuff. Um, I love I love big fan wanky stories like that. Um, they're all so silly. Um. We'll we'll go f- for the last question. The last question mm-hmm. from Bloody Twitter, uh, which is from uh, Arlo McMillan um, at the real Arlo Who on Twitter. Um, I think you've got some biases here for for this question, but <laughs> you may surprise us. Which is better, Australia or New Zealand? Well, I've never Either actually way, been to New Zealand, so well, I, I feel like I can't answer that. But um, you can't. I, I literally, I'm not someone who has, like, any pride of being Australian. I'm happy that I live here and I love, because my friends and family live here. But I do not have pride in our country's history. You know, this is a country that has done horrible, horrible things. So I'm not someone who's like, I love Australia. Like, I, I don't. I, I, I see the world as one big place. And, you know... Yeah, so I, I don't feel like I have any happy... I love Australia moments, and you're not really going to get that from me. So I'm sure New Zealand's a lovely place, so maybe New yeah. Zealand. <laughs> as, as someone from England can relate, can relate big yeah. time. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was that was the end of, of bloody Twitter. Um, <laughs> well done for coming out of that question without insulting an entire nation. That's good. good. They they really Arlo really set you up for a failure there, and you yeah still came out and won. Um, (laughs) But thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Um, If you want to submit a question, you can always keep an eye out on Twitter um, for our guest announcements. When I announce one, um, uh, you can just tweet us. You can email us. uh, All of the details will be in the description, um, and you can ask a question to one of my wonderful guests and most likely it'll get read out. So we're, 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 we're flying towards the end of the show, uh, which is, which is sad, uh, but we've got another feature before we go, uh, which is one of my favorites. It's that wonderful corridor. It's the corridor of fame. Have you ever been limited by who you were before? One day I shall come back. Yes, I should come back. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Sarah Jane? Do I have the right to some people? Small, beautiful events is what life is all about. It's an anniversary compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really comfortable. Every great decision came from the past. Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. But it was a childish dream that made you adopted. You dreamt you could no more. Just the time. I'm the last of the time. Oh,
So, again, for any new listeners um, who haven't heard before, uh, the Corridor of Fame is a a wonderful place where we hang portraits on the wall of uh, the the brightest and best of of the Doctor Who world, and yet again submitted by by my marvellous guests. So, it's a place where we can... We can sing the praises of, of the heroes of Doctor Who and also sing the praises of, of some unsung heroes, um, some people who don't necessarily always get the respect they deserve. There's an assortment of names in here already, but Josh is about to add another one. So please, uh, Josh, hit me with it. Who, who are you going to put in the Corridor of Fame? I think if you're someone who has listened to my Missing Episode series, you've heard this name a lot. Uh, Graham Strong is my choice. Great pick. Really, really great pick. That's, the, I'd say, I, I assume you'll agree, probably one of the more unsung heroes um, oh, for sure. that I was talking about. I know about Graham Strong through your videos. So, I mean, it seems daft having you here and I explain. <laughs> so why, why don't you I, give I can, us yeah. a bit of backstory about, about Graham Strong and, and what they've given to us? Because it's, it's marvellous what, what Graham's done. So Graham was a Doctor Who fan, like all of us, from back in the 1960s when he was watching it as a kid. And he used to hook up his, his tape recorder, so like audio, just recording audio, straight to the TV to record episodes of Doctor Who. So the reason why we have these high quality soundtracks of missing Doctor Who is because of Graham. So he started recording, he started recording really early on, but he used to tape over them. But from the Daleks master plan, uh, up until I think the moon base, uh, maybe a bit longer actually for him. No, he's longer than that. So but from the Daleks master plan onwards, he was recording these directly from it. So we have these really great high quality audios. So because of his work, we get to have these animations. We get to have telesnap reconstructions because there's a lot of missing, like lost media out there where we've got nothing. The fact that we have telesnaps, the fact that we have audio recordings, we've got the original scripts. So many other shows have nothing, but it's down to Doctor Who fans like Graham Strong is the reason why we have these. And we're so lucky. We're so fortunate. And the BBC are still making money off of his hard work all these years later by doing audio releases off animations and we get to benefit out of it of Doctor Who fans and the BBC are benefiting out of it. And yeah, he's an incredible person and sadly he passed away, I think in 2019, mm-hmm. but I think he knows how loved he is, how important his work really is when, you know, when he initially offered it to the BBC, they said they weren't interested but it was people when he contacted other people, they said, no, you need to listen to this. This is very important. This is important stuff you need to keep. Mm-hmm. And then the BBC woke up and realized they talked to the right people who understood how important it was and they archived it. So, you know, this is such an important piece of Doctor Who history. It's such an important piece of missing episode history. And Graham Strong is someone who should be remembered for sure. 100%. Um a, re- a really, really lovely pick. I always love um, the, the unsung heroes and just, you know, 
the idea that that just a fan who I'm I'm right and say he say he would have been like a teenager at the time um, who was yeah. you know rigging these things up quite a dangerous rig I remember oh, hearing yeah. in one of your videos where he's like sort of just sticking wires into the back <laughs> of telly like making things just completely live so that they could just electrocute him at any time so um yeah risking life and limb to to just record episodes of doctor who um, yeah. and have that that strange foresight which no one else had at that time that maybe we should record this it's it's really 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 lovely to respect a fan who has done so much and like i said the the, the only reason we've been able to have chats about stories that, that we've been talking about today is is because of someone like graham so yeah wonderful pick wonderful wonderful pick um and so it's a it's a legacy that that isn't going to go anywhere because now we've got sort of these fingers crossed uh unless someone goes on a, a junking binge again uh we've got <laughs> these episodes for good now um and they're yeah. not going anywhere um fingers crossed no one manages to to purge every every copy of a story um but i'm sure there's a, there's a few stories out there that that may benefit from it um <laughs> but it's uh it's a great pick and graham is now in the corridor of fame uh with with many other doctor who heroes so welcome graham um and that sadly brings us to the end of the show um before we go i do have one more question yep. which is a question that i ask to all of my guests before they leave it's a tough one. Uh, I always say, uh, I say in a sentence, but if you can't do it in a sentence, take as much as you need. But in a <laughs> sentence, what does Doctor Who mean to you? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, I don't think there's been a day in the past like 10 years where I haven't thought about Doctor Who. Like, it has infected my mind. Like, every single moment I'm thinking about Doctor Who. If it's not thinking about my YouTube channel, it's just thinking about the show in general. Or I'm talking about it on Twitter. Or I'm seeing one of my friends and we're talking about it. Like, it's such an integral part of my life. And now with my YouTube channel, like, my name is associated with Doctor Who. Like, I will see people talk about me online. I'm like, oh, yeah, I exist as a person. And I'm, I'm here and people actually watch what I do. And it's really, really strange. Yeah. So I feel like my identity is now wrapped in with Doctor Who. But I feel like I have a somewhat healthy relationship with it where I'm happy to make fun of my favourite television show. Whereas I feel like some people will take it very personally if you um, critique it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Whereas I think critiquing something you love is very important. And if we don't question the things we love bad things can happen and you know so yeah i don't know where that sentence went i went on a bit of a journey it's fine i like it no i like it um yeah no i i'm very much that that type of fan as well where you know i mean mean, we've we've poked fun at quite a few stories tonight but um horns of nine one being one of them but Mm. i i love them all in their own special way um yeah but yeah, that's that's a lovely answer, and I'm like I said, I, I think very much the same in that Doctor Who is, is is so important to my life, and I do think about it a ridiculous amount. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, Josh Snares, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. No, thank um, you for having it's me. It's taken me far too long to get you on the podcast, <laughs> but finally you've come, and uh, I, I know that the listeners are going to love it. So um, this is this is your time to plug uh, away at whatever you want. So whatever you want to shout about, um, plug away. Go for it. Um, the Mind of the Daleks is coming out on the 24th of March. Um, so please watch it. It's going to be... I think it's the best thing I've ever been involved with. And I'm supported by such an incredibly talented cast and crew. These are people who are professionals. They know what they're doing. It's not your average Doctor Who fan film where it's just a bunch of people helping out. Like, these are people who really know what they're doing. I felt so supported by these people who just were 10 times more talented than I am. And it was just so great. And I really want you to see their hard work. And I really want you to see... Mm-hmm. I, I really want you to see what Aaron can do. He's such an incredible producer. It was great to just work on this project that I think people are really going to love. And it was such, like... yeah. My dream of directing an episode of Doctor Who, I've checked, I've t- checked it off my list. I've done it. It's, it feels like I've, I've done it, which is really incredible. So yeah, yeah um, those the stuff with the Daleks, you're gonna lose it. It looks, it if you squint, it feels like you're watching the Daleks master plan. It feels like it's back. So I think people are really gonna I don't really even think you need to squint. To you don't need to squint. It looks <laughs> from the trailer that I've seen. It looks that good. It it looks that good already. Um, so oh, I'm I'm honestly so excited to see it. And and where where can people find you um, in terms of socials and stuff like that? Yeah, on YouTube, um, just Josh Nares. Um, there's no one with my last name. I'm the only person with Josh Nares on the planet, so I'm not hard <laughs> to find. I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, because uh, I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. And I'm also on Instagram. And sadly, I'm on Facebook too, but it's just my um, scheduled posts because I don't really use Facebook. But yep, yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I am around. Come find me. <laughs> lovely well i'll put all of the links um i'll put the links to uh Mark the daleks trailer and all your socials in the description awesome. so um if somehow you you haven't come across josh's work before you can now go and go and find it if i'm your first exposure to josh snares then <laughs> something has gone wrong in your life just to do my little bit you've been listening to who knew a doctor who podcast um We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube where you can get full video versions. So if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, why not come check over and you'll you'll catch all the visual gags, um, of which there are not that many, but still, you know, come and come and support us on YouTube. Like it, share, subscribe, comment. Um, you know, you know, your your crack teams that you want to go and find missing episodes leave us a rating and and things like that on spotify and and apple podcast it really really helps us out Uh, i really want this series to be bigger and and better than ever Uh, and i've got some very exciting guests coming up including uh on next week's episode as you're listening to this uh james moran the the writer of fires of pompeii and sleeper from from series two of torchwood will be joining me to chat about all of those lovely things and and seeing what James wants to put in the DVD collection in the corridor. So very, very exciting. You can find us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Uh, you can email us at 
uh, who knew dwpod at gmail.com. I've not done this in a while. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram at who knew dwpod and uh, at who knew podcast on TikTok as well. Um, I need to get back on that. I can only juggle so many social medias at a time. <laughs> Instagram started ramping back up again and now I've abandoned TikTok. I'm going to try and juggle them. So that there's there's a steady stream of, of fun and announcements and, and stuff like that. And you can support us on Patreon for as little as a pound a month. You can get early access to pods. Um, and you can uh, just support us, help me keep the mic on and help me uh, keep finding all of these wonderful guests. Because, you know, they, they don't come cheap. I've had to pay Josh a lot of money to be here today. One lot of more money. billion dollars. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that, that the Patreon has paid for that. So if, if you want you more Patreon. guests like Josh, um, because I definitely get a billion, a billion dollars from my patron. A hundred percent. Yes, a week. <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, for as little as a pound a month, I know times are tough, so there's no obligation. But if you, know, if you want to help us out, you can. Um, and you can even get a little discount on a Who Knew t-shirt if you want, because we've got a bit of merch. But other than that, uh, I think that's it. So, uh, Josh, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I'd love to have you on again in the future, and I cannot wait to see Might of the Daleks. Oh, thank you so much. No, I'm so happy I got to plug Might of the Daleks, and I really I was, had a really good time, so thank you. Good, good, I'm glad. And thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time with James Moran. Uh, bye Bye. Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast, is brought to you by the Who Knew Patreon. Massive thank you to our patrons, and a special thank you to Cal King. Thanks for listening to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. You can find us wherever you get your pods, as well as full video versions on YouTube. Please subscribe, like, share, leave us a review wherever you can, because it really helps us out. And a massive thank you to the Sononauts for lending us their cover of the Doctor Who theme tune to be the theme for the podcast. Thank you.